Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the movie podcast. My name is Daniel and joining me here in the TVA and whatever timeline of his choice. Oh, it's Shabazz. Hey, Shabazz. Thank you. Hey, man. Thanks for the choice, though. Yeah, you, I always want to give you a choice. Yeah, I know we're pro-choice. So we're glad you gave me that. We're choice. We're all about choices here on the movie choices, podcast. options. Eras. Eras tour. Review. Hour now. Hour now. No, so Shay, I, I, I need to know before we dive into this magnum opus of an episode this is something that we've been working on all month long all month we've been doing little by little yeah building to this collecting our infinity stones really we really have been yeah right uh i need to know if you could travel to any era yes any era at all by the way i was have something in your house no because i had the infinity stones behind me right yeah i just wanted to make sure they were still there or were they confiscated makes sense yeah if you could travel to any era yeah what era would you go to I mean, you don't have to give me like, let me, let me, give me, give me a year. You don't give me an era. Don't be like the Elizabethan oh, period, man. No, no. Just give me a, a year. Look, we talk about this all the time and we're watching do movies. We? Okay. Okay. I do. Well, well, I guess you have to say it first before I agree. You know, I, you know, in the sense of we talk about, oh, why would I ever want to go back to 1830? Oh yeah. Never. You know, never. Like why would no I place. ever want to go back in time? The only time I ever want to go back in time is like maybe the nineties to see like, Oh my god! Like, what was this world like again? Like, did I do I have like rose-colored glasses? Remembering the nineties, right? As like a child, right. uh, I think I want to maybe go a little bit ahead, if that's cool. You want to go ahead in time, ahead in time? Yeah, okay. I, I guess see, that's. I want to see advancements in technology. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm sure more people in the late two thousands are going to be more beige-colored, so I'll fit right in. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, we're all going to be beige. We're all going to be beige. Soon. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm curious. Like, I I would love to go to a future and like I, I'm curious to see like how our how we live today has like evolved us. So you so, also go future as well. I mean, if I could, yeah. Like, no one but wants to go back. So. No one wants to go back. I mean, if I could go back, I'd want to go like, uh, you know, when you're like, uh, oh God, this is a very specific reference. Go. You know, when you're in playing GTA Five online, okay. and you're playing in a mode where they no one can interfere with you yeah what's it called passive mode? passive mode yeah i'd want to go to the past but in passive mode yes where i can't interfere with anything i i'm always like i don't want to go back and like oh look at me i just yeah. wiped out a civilization because i go. crushed a ladybug yeah you know what i mean so like, yeah but yeah passive mode for me Th- that past. that's a good idea also i like i don't want to st- like my biggest thing is stepping out in like 1802 yeah yeah and immediately like stubbing my toe mm-hmm. and next thing i know i have to die yeah like that's <laughs> the only solution to my answer helmet or I, I i get i i bump or i bump into the wrong thing or i smell the wrong air yeah yeah and they're like oh oh guess what can not exist anymore yeah. <laughs> your lungs can't accept this yeah. yeah it's it's very interesting it's very interesting it's very, very interesting but should i but should I? <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say Shabazz and today. You're so much today. Today, like the singer. But today, Shabazz. Like I said, this has been something we've been building on to for a very, very long time. We have a glorious creative team joining we us do. today. We love Loki season two. We do. And joining us on the movie podcast today is a lot of the names and the people who made that happen. So give me a moment here while I list them all off because I'm about to go. roll credits on go, the movie go, podcast. Go, go. Joining us on the movie podcast today is director Dan Delu, costume designer Christine Wada. Director and production designer, Kasra Farahani. Cinematographer, Isaac Bauman. And composer, Natalie Holt. Oh boy. This is a huge... Shacked episode. 
stacked episode one of our biggest i think special guest episodes that we had in a very long time i'm trying to think back now like have we ever had like i know our mythic quest episode is up yes. there with the amount of people on it um we don't usually have this many people on no. but what's really nice is that we got to speak to each of these beautiful individuals separately so we will go guest to guest in our interview which is coming up very very soon after yes. we're done all this fun banter oh yeah but uh what a what an incredible experience this was i want to say thank you to our friends at Disney Studios Canada and Marvel Studios for allowing this to happen, for giving us the opportunity to talk to all of these lovely people. Um, if you're watching Loki, we know that you are. You clicked on this episode, you're listening to this. You did. You know how incredible this season has been. And this truly is, I think, uh, the best Marvel Disney Plus show uh, ever for me. Loki. Really? The best of all time. The best that we've gone. I think Loki, especially season two, we have two episodes left at this point. Right. And if it sticks its landing, I think it will be for the six episodes that it's given, it will be the best the Marvel best Disney Plus show. Marvel for me. Disney Plus. You yeah. heard that here. You heard that here first on the movie podcast. From Daniel's from, Daniel's, from my mouth into your wow. ear holes wow. as we go. Wow. But before we get to this lovely cast, yes. This is the movie podcast. You can catch brand new episodes all throughout the week. We have some lovely reviews and interviews coming your way on the feed. It's a busy week here on the movie podcast, so make sure you tune in for everything. We have video uh, versions of everything that we're talking about today. So if you want to see the lovely faces of everyone we're talking to, head over to our YouTube channel. Our show notes have everything you need and more. Make sure you're following us on social media at the movie podcast on Instagram, X, TikTok, anywhere that there's social media, the movie podcast will be there like i said loki is now streaming on disney plus we have two episodes left and i cannot wait to see where it goes but shabazz yo let's get right to it we have a huge guest list joining us today so without further ado please welcome the creative team behind loki hey dan how are you doing great how are you uh i'm we're doing wonderful we're just so happy to be here with you we've been loving this season of Loki so much so far. Um, and we just have to ask you, you know, you're coming from the world of VFX and now you're in the director's chair. How has that switch been for you and what's been the biggest challenge so far? Well, I think that so it's something I've definitely been working towards and I, I've been incredibly lucky to have the support of Russo Brothers on, on the films that we worked on and then helping me you know, eventually to do direct some of the additional photography on on Endgame and then design a lot of the you know be a part of designing a lot of the big fight scenes and the action scenes and 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 you know then moving forward with having done effects on Loki season one Kevin Wright the executive producer you know saw hey this you know this guy when he does the effects he talks a lot about story and is you know and he's, he's, he's like a lot of the story ideas are, are very interesting so it's something they they invited me into to direct on 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 season two and. You know, it's definitely the the one of the most fortunate uh, steps, or you know, what coming into the season is that Tom Hiddleston was there as executive producer, and his style of setting the pace and the tone for this the creation of the story and and how it was developed made it far easier than it would have been without him just in terms of his sensibilities from some theater bringing everyone into the room the writers the all the directors the the, the cast and we spent you know a couple of weeks before we started shooting just workshopping the script with everyone so we all had an idea of what everybody's episodes were Absolutely. we all were able to make the episodes better that's yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you, you talked about you know, producer Kevin Wright, and he, he was talking about how he would love Loki to meet up with Thor again. How do you think Thor would kind of react to meeting Sylvie? <laughs> I think Thor, you know, the, you know, it might just get frustrated and walk out of the room. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, you know, imagine a scene with like, you know, Thor, you know, Loki bring Sylvie back to meet his family, meet his dad or meet his mom or something like that. But just like <laughs> Thor's sitting there with his adopted daughter and Loki walks in and it's like, oh, hey, here's Sylvie. And Thor's just like, you know, just slowly shakes his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally can see that. Happening. That's very accurate. But, you know, you mentioned story. And I think the story this season has been so strong. And it's been able to bring us to all these different places and times. Uh, I look at McDonald's in this episode and I look at like the film premiere. And I'm curious for you and the team, what was the most important part of making those places feel authentic to their time and to the location that they were in? Well, I think with McDonald's, it was important because it, it helped drive the story. It was something that, you know, it's fun because you get to see the hamburger and the the tree and, and all those things that we remember. But because of the nostalgia with McDonald's and everyone having experienced it as kids, and there's always some story about, you know, or some something you recall about McDonald's would be like the pancakes or, but it was just, you know, it was something that was already built into the kind of consciousness of the viewers. And so reproducing that McDonald's takes you there. And then because that takes you there, you understand Sylvie walking in and seeing the families and having the experiences that she never had. Absolutely. With London, it was something I think that was just a lot of fun. It was something that, you know, Tom wanted to be in a foot chase for sure. And you uh, would, we spent quite a bit of time one night. We had a, motor, a camera rigged on a motorcycle, Tom running down the alley. Where we just kept increasing the speed of the motorcycle again and again. <laughs> I can do it. I can keep up. And uh, and so, but it was something where it was nice where, you know, that scene, you know, turned into what you thought would be a, a, a traditional chase and then, you know, flipped into the kind of the dark Loki. You know, after Brad tricked Loki, he wasn't having that anymore. So he turned mm-hmm. out a cat and mouse game. Definitely. Absolutely. You talk about McDonald's and, you know, you get to introduce the famous chicken mcnuggets this episode we need to know what's your favorite mcdonald's menu item oh i know but the, we were talking about the story right so i think for me it was like it's the pancakes strangely enough yeah. because every summer my grandparents they throw us in the back of the truck you know with a camper and we'd leave at like four in the morning and there was always this one mcdonald's at like two hours three hours out we would stop and have pancakes for breakfast oh it was delicious we love that dan thank you so much for sharing your time with us on the movie podcast we absolutely adore what you're doing this season and we cannot wait to see you return to the director's chair. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again for that. So thank you so much for your time. Hey, Christine, how are you? Good, how are you? We are so well. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us on the movie podcast today. Yes, of course. Thank you. We, we, we've loved this season of Loki so far. You know, how has it been for you now that it's finally being able to watch everybody? Uh, well, I'm just, it's really fun to hear the, the questions. Like I just... Uh, just had somebody ask me a question about um, like what's practi- what was practical and what wasn't in the show, and I love that. Um, I love that people are picking up on the little nuances of that, that, or the fact that we even have done so much stuff in camera for both episode for season one and season two. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, and the fact that you know it's getting harder and harder to tell. That's also this is really funny that that's kind of what people are dealing with. <laughs> 
Right? Yeah, I think they're really, I think people are responding to the fact that there's a very, that Loki has um, a very tangible feel as a show. Like it's, there's, uh, I think that even in the time travel, we tried to be very authentic, but authentic to, um, in in a very controlled way, like almost like how you would view old, uh, old photographs or how you imagine like old right. footage feel. Um, so there was a lot of consideration in, in keeping things in that old timey sort of your imagination of how things were in the past. <laughs> right. And I, right? I think that's, what's the, that's what we love so much about the show. It has like this analog feel to it. And I'm curious with Loki, you know, his looks have evolved so much throughout the MCU you know, from his more royal, like Asgardian armors to now he's very, just like very cool and very slick with his style. You know, what's been the most fun part for you getting to develop his look through the series? Um, I'd say just trying to figure out how to make something that seems so simple have still ha- retain a Loki element. And sometimes it's, you don't have to look at the, the big fancy design. And sometimes it's take it's, it's taking things away and just realizing that it might just be like the fit or turning up the collar. Um, and it's also just been fun to take, like you said, we're t- just taking some of the armor off of these characters and trying to let the costumes help the audience take an internal journey with these characters where uh, like you you want it to still feel like it's Loki or it's Sylvie, but you want to have uh you want you don't want your eye to be attacked all the time where you're right. not attention to what that internal process is for all these characters. Because I think I think this season we really we go through a lot of emotional arcs as you I'm sure have seen. And um kind of finding striking that balance. Um with Loki and the other characters is has been really like I guess that's kind of the that's really your job as a costume designer, right? Absolutely, definitely. And you see that throughout the show; it's stunning. And you know, you know, Tom's a Tom's a very stylish gentleman as he is. I'm very handsome, very handsome, very handsome. He pulls everything off. Uh, absolutely. How much influence does he have in how Loki dresses? I think his influence comes from his. Incredible! He has an incredible sense of his character. He knows that character inside and out, and he has. Uh, he's so aware of his own physicality that, as a designer, those give you a lot of direction. So, if it's not specific direction that he's giving you, like, oh, I'd like my tie to be blue, uh, it, it's still even if he doesn't he never it's never that type of direction because he's giving you so much of an outline through his knowledge of the character and his knowledge of his own physicality if that makes sense so once you go it does yeah right you are immediately you you're steered you can steer yourself into the right zones pretty easily absolutely and we we, we want to definitely just wrap up here but just quickly do you have a favorite loki outfit for tom tom's yeah Hmm. I mean, I, I do say that I really would love putting him in that 70s tuxedo. Just oh, yeah. um, 
as they can just, yeah, he can just. He sells it. He's so suave. Perfect. He's so suave. And what other um, actor can make those ruffles still just (laughs) so much swagger and not feel goofy? Yeah. Absolutely. That's a superpower. I think he's rad in his power. He could pull anything off. He could pull anything off. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking your time with us today on the show. We're so excited for more people to watch it and see the beautiful costumes that you've been designing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Kasra. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us today on the movie podcast. My pleasure. Now, we have absolutely loved this season of Loki. How has it been for you so far now getting to watch it with the world? Uh, it's so fun. It's so fun to watch the uh, the reactions and the Easter egg hunts and the uh, theories and the breakdown videos. I mean, I think Kevin Wright said this really well in one of, our, one of the um, interviews, I think. Uh, that it's like this is a really gratifying and fun process the interactivity of uh between the filmmakers and the fans uh it's really fun and it's it's a big part of why we try to find cool fun and narratively relevant places to put easter eggs for example because we like this interactivity oh yeah and there's a lot uh there's a lot that we're gonna be talking about with you very soon about that oh, yeah for sure and then we spoke with the director dan delu who you know kind of came from a vfx background you're coming from a production designer background how is your time in a different department on the series kind of helped you be a better director oh you know what well i think the biggest i was i was just talking about this i actually think it's it's almost less so about the production design experience but what you do before you become a production designer is called an art director you work for the production designers and when you're when you're an art director on a given set, I, you're sort of like the mayor of that set. You're in, you're the point of contact for all the departments um, as it relates to getting their needs met for that set. So if they're the rigging gaffer who's laying the cables for where the lights are, or what's going to power the lights, the gaffer who's going to put his lights in, the stunt people who say we need a stunt pad here, we need this window to blow out, and the special effects people that say we this thing's going to catch on fire, whatever, like all that stuff for camera. <laughs> Like you get to know what everybody does, what their needs are, how to sequence them, what's going to help them tell the story better. And I did that job for a really long time. And um, I really think of it as my film school in, in so many ways. Now we have a, we get to see the World's Fair recreated, uh, not just, especially in this time period. I'm curious for you, what was it like that experience? recreating this time period and what are you hoping fans look out for in this because it is a huge sequence in this episode it's 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 a lot beautiful there's a lot to look out for what are you hoping people notice in these scenes oh i hope they see all of it because we put so much work into every little corner of it from the what i love the beautiful egyptian uh area to there's a there's a camel there to the, of course, the Norwegian pavilion's gotten a lot of play already with the Balder statue, mm-hmm. uh, the Chinese pavilion that they come out of, and then of course the the t- kind of German area, uh, where we spend a lot of time in the Hofbrau. I mean, uh, now this this episode was so so fun to design, uh, but it was challenging also because it because of how big the scope is, and you know, like when you're working on the TVA sets that that play in multiple episodes. Well, 
you have kind of more resources because you know you're going to use the set for more episodes. Whereas in, in, in episode three, we have to build these huge sets, but they only play in one episode. So it becomes the economics of that are, are more tricky to figure out how much can we actually build? How big can we make this be without going any bigger than we need it to be? Right. And what I, what I think is such a huge accomplishment in the show, um, and in the MCU as a whole, but especially in this show, is like you have a character like Miss Minutes, who is an animated character, but also just blends so seamlessly into the worlds and into like a live action setting. Uh, yeah. I'm curious, what did it look like shooting with with like that in mind, with knowing that you're going to be having an animated clock? Like a <laughs> rabbit almost. Yeah, like yeah. In, in some sequences, especially with the lighting of it, right? It felt very warm and analog. Sure. Well, we, our VFX team are brilliant and they, we worked out like a, a really good um, methodology where we had sort of like this glowing light on a stick and we would rehearse with that in place of Miss Minutes. And we also had a really talented actor who was reading the part of Miss Minutes off camera. So that's how we work it out, worked out our blocking. And sometimes we would shoot, usually we would shoot it without the light in but then we would shoot a pass with the light in as well. Mostly the light was there to help us work out our blocking and rehearsals. Um, but yeah, definitely it's a challenge and it's a testament to how brilliant uh, Gugu is uh, uh, because she had to do so many scenes basically with a clock that wasn't there. So Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. You know, we like I said, we were loving the show. Um, and we cannot wait to see where things go from here. So thank you so much again. We hope to talk to you again as well, too. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, Isaac. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us today on the movie podcast. And congratulations on such a dope season of Loki. Thank you. You know, this season uh, is hands down. And Loki, I think just this season especially, is probably one of the best looking Marvel projects ever. So we have to know going into this season, what were your inspirations? What were your, your goals trying to evolve the look from last season well my primary inspiration was the first season itself you know it was just such a special looking project within the context of the mcu i feel and what we realized pretty quickly when we got the job was what made it special wasn't anything specific they did at all um it was the fact that that cinematographer autumn Gerald arkapaw brought her own voice to it right that season it looks like her work so what we realized was if we wanted to do the same thing that they did and make it as good as they did we couldn't carry over what they had done we instead had to take the same approach that they took which was to bring ourselves to the work and that's when we realized we needed to wipe the slate clean and rebuild the look from the ground up um but that approach was fully inspired by the way they approached the first season Something that just always stands out is just how tangible and just how lived in the world feels. You really saw that this, this, this season. Yeah, totally. Thank you. From the halls of the TVA to like an 80s McDonald's, the series has many different looks. How did your process change when adapting to these different time periods and locations? What the approach was, you look at each time period more than each individual location. We looked at each time period for the source of our inspiration in terms of our approach there, you know? So we would look at, for example, any given time period. Well, what did photography at that time look like? 
what did filmmaking at that time look like? What was the aesthetic of the films that they were making? What did the world of that time look like? What was the color palette of just the world? You know, what color were the dishwashers that were getting installed in people's houses? Um, and, you know, looking at those things, discussing those things, certain approaches presented themselves such that we were able to say, okay, well, when we shoot this time period, we're going to do this with the lighting. We'll change this about the filtration. You know, we'll use less filtration. We'll add more filtration. We'll use longer lenses. We'll use wider lenses. For example, in the 1800s, we wanted to evoke that like frontier portraiture kind of style that I'm sure everyone is familiar with. So we used, we found in our set of lenses, there was just a lens that had a very specific, uh, unique personality to it. And it also was a longer lens, which evoked this feeling of like that swirly out of focus bouquet that they had back then. So we're like, well, we're going to shoot every shot we possibly can on this one lens in the 1800s because it just, it feels like the 1800s to us. You know, you mentioned that there was so many different reference points that you were kind of using. And I love that attention to detail. What were some of the films that you kind of went back to and were like, cool, this is, this kind of came out in this period. We want to reference this or kind of use some of that same style. 2001 a space odyssey is an obvious reference you know i think yeah. that was informative for the production design and it and then this year you know in the first season for example they made it look really futuristic and like cutting edge modern cinematography but we were like okay well what if we made it look the cinematography somehow made it look like the production design looks um, and that's where we, 2001 really came up. We were like, let's take a hard look at 2001, a space odyssey and, uh, and try to emulate whatever we like from that. You know, uh, we also looked at Munich, uh, because we love Spielberg's Dolly zoom style specifically in that film. Um, and we, uh, I looked at live and let die that James Bond movie from the early seventies. Great movie. Yeah, great film. Isaac, we just want to say, say thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Really quickly, as we wrap, uh, there's a really cool moment with Obi's walking through the model, very reminiscent of Back to the Future. Was that a deliberate reference to kind of show the the models walking through in both like Loki and Back to the Future? You know, um, I, I have to believe that it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good answer. It's a great answer. Good answer. <laughs> great answer. Family feud, you'd win. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all the best. We can't wait to see where things go next. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Hey, Natalie, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. We are such big fans of yours, and we're absolutely in love with the musical language that you brought to Loki, so we're just so grateful for you sharing your time with us today. Oh, thank you. Loki's theme is is one of the most iconic in the MCU. How did you approach creating a score that would be an earworm, but also fitting of everything that this Loki and his variants have gone through? Earworm um, part of it is something I just heard from the Beatles, actually, which was apparently paul mccartney used to kind of sleep on something and he you know i think he wouldn't have had the record into an iphone function that we have now but so i think he was like if it you, would be yeah <laughs> i'm sure he would i mean but i think it's like yeah if you can come up with an idea and then walk away from it and remember it um it's got a good chance of having that sort of earworm quality um, and I did that with Loki. I was kind of walking along and I was like, I kind of, 
hummed it and then came back to it the next day and then just felt like it was really strong and I sort of played it on the piano and I felt like it had the right sort of malleable qualities to go to different places as well so it sort of had enough to it so um yeah I stuck with it and that was my um demo um and then what was the other question how you would make it fitting for everyone that Loki and all his variants oh yeah for, for all of his variants uh, yeah so I kind of played around with I added that Wagner the Wagner um the riffs from Ride of the Valkyries came a bit later so I was thinking oh maybe it should have sort of some classical Mozart figure in it to sort of give some sense of him being classically mischievous um so then the Wagner came um and then you know I've used like I've done a funk version of it like a D.B. Cooper sort of, mm-hmm. um Latin version of it a prog version of it when with the fight in the underground lair in the void and then you know the Richard E. Grant um classic Loki had just the full-on classical treatment with the, the ride of the Valkyries so it's been really um a great theme to mess around with honestly and that's what's so nice is that we get to see these variants at all these different time periods and something that we got so happy with is that you got to make a great cameo in episode three of the show. <laughs> what what was it like being on set for that? And are there any other eras that you know you hope your variants get to explore in a future episode? Yeah, so I'm an accordion player in 1890, I guess, like in a sort of in the world Chicago world fair. I guess I'm. Um, it was it was so nice to to have that moment on set and and just. See Kazra's incredible um, set and walk around inside them. I mean, that the detail in the bar was crazy. Like on the table in in the the world in in that Bavarian bar were like pamphlets for the Chicago World Fair, like proper pamphlets. I'm sure nobody would have seen that, but I picked it up and I was like, oh my god, these are like proper pamphlets from the time period that someone has used as props on set and it's it's just you know my costume that i was wearing from christine the um, costume designer they've been over to berlin to pick up these authentic sort of um costumes that they would have worn in that time period um, wow. and that i was wearing a corset which was very uncomfortable can't recommend that um <laughs> and they're just seeing like the detailed level of sort of creativity from everyone in every department was was like really inspiring um and it makes you want to sort of up your own game in the music department and and then getting to chat to tom and and he sort of it, it was he was coming to the end of filming and he'd been through this journey for finding the episode two loki and um he just you know said how much he loved the score and he gave me a book of poetry and and just it was a T.S. Eliot book, The Four Quartets, and just spoke to me about what had inspired him with getting into character. And so that was really useful to sort of take what he had to say and then and then inject it into writing the score. That's um, amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a great time to be an accordion player in Chicago at that <laughs> time. So glad that you got to encompass that. And thank you so much, Stanley, for taking your time with us today. You know, the score is amazing and everyone's obviously loving it. And we're really happy to talk to you. Hopefully we can talk to you soon as well. Oh, yeah. 
hopefully you'll still feel the same way at the end of episode six. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I hope so. Yeah. Sure <laughs> no score. Everything's scrapped. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's silent. <laughs>